Welcome to Served Neat, hosted by your girl, Jen Hartman. I'm the CEO of Neat, a boutique PR and marketing agency based out of Louisville, Kentucky. I launched Neat in 2019 with just $3,000 in my bank account. Since then, I've had the opportunity to work with hundreds of emerging brands and Fortune 500 empires. I believe that marketing and PR should be served neat, just like your favorite bourbon. On this podcast, you'll hear about the latest and greatest growth strategies, the ups and the downs of entrepreneurship, and so much more. Pour yourself a glass of your favorite bourbon because it's time to dive in to this week's episode. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Served Neat. I am so excited for today's episode because I have my work wife, aka my COO here with me. Her and I have been attached at the hip for really the last year and a half or so. And Lord is one of my best friends. We obviously work closely together every single day. And today we are going to be breaking down 2023. We'll be talking about the good, the bad, the ugly, real numbers, what it takes to run an agency. And then we'll also talk about what's coming up in 2024. Yay. Say hi, Warren. Hello. I'm excited for the journey. Okay. So where do we want to start? Do we want to go in chronological order of like starting in January? Option number two, instead of chronological order, would be we just kind of go through and we talk about the highlights and the not so good things. We can go in chronological order. Okay, so let's kind of talk about Q1. We went into January and I was in full-blown panic mode. Let me tell you January's numbers because most people would be shocked to know that we only made $8,000 in revenue in January. It was one of the lowest months I had ever had in business since starting in 2019. And I I was having this, oh shit, are we going to make it moment? I was having that every single day in January because I was just panicking about how low revenue was. And it was a different feeling because now I had a lot more people to support. Yeah, because at that point we had five-ish, six max, myself included. But there are people who we've really grown to love and care about, people who have families to take care of and all the things. And so I think that always is going to add another layer. The other factor that I think was playing into January too is I don't know that Jen and I had really verbalized it yet, but a lot was changing. Like I could feel the change happening even from when I had come on in August of 2022. A lot of our clients were shifting into PR. A lot of the marketing consulting things were like really really fallen off at that point. So it was kind of like this moment in January where it was like, we either need to like jump into this new PR thing, or we're going to go and like revert back what we were doing before that we like know worked, right? But yeah, January was crazy. January was so rough. And historically, every January has been a little bit rough, but it had never been that bad before. And I had never had that many people to take care of. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs don't talk about that shift when you have a team. You're not just worried about yourself in you being able to pay your bills, but you're worried about everybody else and taking care of their families. This sounds so silly, but when somebody has a kid on the team, I'm like, that is my kid and I have to take care of them. And I need to figure out how to support you. So <laughs> there's so much 
pressure, whether I have voiced it or not, that is something that weighs very heavily on me. I want to take care of everybody. So when we have scarier months, that is something that wakes me up at 2 a.m. And I go, how am I going to support people? How am I going to make this work? And whether it would be taking out a loan to cover payroll or me just like not paying myself, I would be the first person to be like, nope, cut my salary, pay everybody else because I care so deeply about everybody else on the team. We just have such a tight knit group of people and I care so deeply about everybody. So bad months in business hit me really hard because of that. But the change that we made in January going into February, did Justina start with us? It was either January or February. So at that point in time, I remember us having a conversation because the only person doing sales was Jen. At that point, we had had other people in it in 2022 who were kind of doing appointment setting, but we need a closer. So then that's when we started kind of putting our feelers out, posted roles and hired Justina, who is still with us now. And I love her so much. She does a really, really amazing job at closing. And I think that that really helped kind of start to pull the weight off of you for having to worry about it all by yourself. Yeah, I agree with you. And the shift we also had made at that point, which I don't know if this is something we just had to do because we didn't have a solid appointment setter at that point, but we went really hard into buying leads. So starting in January and then continuing on for a majority of the year, we spent a lot of money just purchasing leads. And then Justina would get on on sales calls and closed deals. And she was really, really good at that. And it worked. And without us buying leads, we would not be where we're at today. We would have not had the year we had without that. And if you would have asked me like a year ago, like, hey, Jen, what do you think about buying leads? Like, no, like that's so not just coming to you organically. Like, yeah, they're not just like being attracted to me, just (laughs) showing up in my DMs, like how gross. But we have had some of our best clients come from buying them as a lead. Those clients have actually re-signed contracts. We have clients who we bought as a lead and then they signed a two-year contract after their initial contract or another one-year contract or a six-month contract after their initial contract. So we got some really high quality clients from that process. So I would say if you are an agency, I don't think this would work if you're a coach or a consultant per se, but if you are an agency and you are working with actual brands, don't be afraid to do something a little bit different. Don't be afraid to buy leads. Don't be afraid afraid to do cold outreach, you would be surprised at how fast you build pipeline from doing something a bit different than what you're used to doing. 80% of the revenue this year, I think has come from purchased leads, if not 85. That is so wild to me. Again, like two years ago, that would have blew my mind. Yeah. Maybe we can tie this in as we're kind of going through this, but my hope for 2024 is we can diversify a little bit more. Buying leads, I don't think is going to go away. It has worked. We know that it works, but I think we can be a little bit more picky about the leads that we're buying and add other strategies in now that we're kind of working on building out that sales team a little bit more. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. I'm really excited too. I feel like this year we've really tested and refined our sales process and our sales team. And so I feel really solid going into 2024. But I want to get back to Q1 because there was a really big shift in revenue between January and February. So Mm -hmm. January was awful and it was very scary, but we made those slight changes and going into February, I think we shot up to like 40K. It just felt like such a weight lifted off my shoulders because I knew that everyone was going to be taken care of and I was able to sleep a lot better at night. But then we had this new problem of, oh my God, how are we going to serve all of these new clients? We had to go through this huge hiring. At the time, it felt like a really big deal to kind of come in and help support. So then not only are we onboarding clients, 
transfer onboarding team members and like figuring out how all the pieces fit together. And it was messy. Yeah, it was definitely very messy at that point, but we figured it out. And I know in the process of things being a bit messy, you did learn what worked for onboarding, what didn't work, and you were able to create a process and an SOP that went along with that. Yeah, we are very willing to take messy action, but our intention is what's going to be the best for the clients and what's going to be the best for the team. And if something is not working, let's not sit and dwell on it. And we move on really, really quickly and hone in on what is working. And that's, I think, why the messy in-betweens were so good for us because we pivoted so quickly into what was working and figured out a system that we could actually refine. I will say, I mean, I'll just piggyback off of that. We're both really good at figuring out, okay, this isn't working. Let's let it go immediately. So we're good at holding each other accountable on that one. And I will say that's not always easy, right? Because there's maybe a process that involves a team member and we're like, ooh, like that's really not working, but you got to let somebody go. Like if she or he or they, if they are not working with the company, you're doing them a disservice by holding on to them for dear life. That energy actually brings down other people on the team. Like that is very, very toxic. So that is something that I learned. And I know you learned this this year. Yeah. A lot of lessons we we learned throughout the year, but okay. So that was Q1, right? Like January sucked. Um, February, we were like back, we were good. And then we went even higher up in March. Like we were steadily kind of growing there in Q1, even into Q2, we were doing really well. I will say, I think probably in Q2 to Q3 is where we leveled off in revenue and we, we had some good months, but I don't think we ever really had a bad month after that initial bad month in January. Usually August is not good either. People are using their vacation. They're out of office with their kids. Back to school is kind of happening. But I didn't see that happen in August this year. Like I had in previous years. We had a lot of recurring revenue. So we didn't bring in a lot of new clients in August. But that didn't really negatively impact our revenue. Because we had all that recurring revenue that was stacked. I agree. Yes. So, I mean, we're, we're kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but I think this is important to note for us for 2024. I'll admit, at least it wasn't on my part. I don't know if Jen feels this way. It was not intentional. I was not sitting there in April or May thinking, oh, we really need to be filling this funnel because when August rolls around, it's going to be empty. That was not where my head was at. It just happened to work out. And so like, it was great, but I think that moving forward, we can take that and learn that next year, these are things that we could be planning for. These are things that we can prep the sales team So they really know August is slow. January is slow. People aren't necessarily making decisions. So what can we do in the interim, right? In that month where we know people aren't making a ton of decisions, what can we do before, during, and after to kind of fill that gap? So I think that was definitely a a big lesson that we learned. We really just got got lucky, honestly. I mean, that's how I feel with, I mean, we were intentional with hiring Justina and Justina really, really crushed it in Q2. There were a lot of purchased leads that she closed somewhere in Q2. And so I think that really set us up for a great rest of the year because we had all of that recurring revenue. Yeah. I'm going to jump in real quick and say specifically in Q2 where I think we done messed up um, and we weren't necessarily thinking about this at that point. We were just like, oh my God, look at all these leads and deals are being closed. Every one we closed in Q2 seemed to start around the exact same time and end at the exact same time. So like within days of each other. Yeah. I don't know how that worked out. I think so she had closed multiple people over the course of Q2, but it somehow worked out where everybody wanted to like start around the same time. And then of course they were all six 
month contracts and they're ending in December, right? They're ending this month or they're ending in beginning of January. And I think about two months ago, I had this moment where I was like, oh my gosh, this was poor planning. Mm -hmm. We should have been selling nine month packages or one year packages, or maybe that we should have been creating an incentive a couple months ago to get clients to lock in for 2024. And so that's where I was like, oh no, like we did not think about the timing of this. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Again, that's one of those things that we're going to take it as a lesson and like really implement better in 2024, because I agree. I think a lot of this year, Jen and I have talked about this a lot over the last couple of weeks, but I feel like most decision that we made was intentional, but a lot of them were also very reactive. It's like things are happening around us and we're like, oh shit, like what can we do to like fix this? Or like, hey, that works. Like, let's do more. Like it was all just like reacting to what was happening around us. And it got us to where we are. I think it served a purpose, but Jen and I both really want to be better in 2024 about being proactive. Let's think about these things in Q1, 2, 3, and 4. Let's actually think about things in 90-day periods and plan and know what's going on and communicate that with the team and all the things because that is something that we did not do this year. I agree. I think it's just because it was a crazy year and we doubled our revenue this year. Our team doubled in size. Things were really crazy. So I think by default, we were just putting out fires nonstop all year and we really didn't have a chance or I didn't really have the brain space to sit down and be like, okay, let's look ahead at the next quarter or the next Mm -hmm. six months or the next year. And now we're starting to do that. I mean, I didn't put this on Instagram stories, but Lord and I sat through a session on EOS yesterday. And I think that was really eye-opening as to like, oh, wow, there is a better way of operating the business than we have been operating. There's a better way of planning than we have been planning. And so that was really good for me as a founder to just see that there is a way to be much more structured and how effective that kind of system can be. Yeah. And I don't want it to sound like we're like pooping all over ourselves, right? It was a great year. The fact that in a year, we doubled our revenue, doubled our team size, had consistent month over month revenue. We could pay our entire team on the revenue that we were bringing in. Like that is a huge deal. And it's something that I'm really, really proud of, but it can always be better. I think the other thing too, like I don't work full-time hours. I'm not a salaried employee. I don't work 40 hours a week. We do the best that we can with the budget and the hours that we have. And that is something that even as we grow, even as we make more money, even as we're not having to worry about little nitty gritty, like week to week things, I hope that we continue to do that over time. And we're just really, really smart with our budget. Cause I feel like that is something that we've gotten better at throughout this year. And I want to continue to like hone in on that. Yeah. Can we actually take a second to talk about that? Because I would say this year was the worst year for margins. So Mm -hmm. though we doubled our revenue, right? We're ending the year around half a million. And I'm really excited about that. It doesn't mean we had a profitable year. Like I think a lot of the negative. We're not not in the negative. No, but like, I do think a lot of people will be like, look at how much money I made. And it's like, but you didn't make that. Like that is your top line. What is your bottom line? Our bottom line this year, not good at all. And there's a reason for that though. And I just, I, I want you to kind of expand on margins, how we kind of operated this year, and then how we're going to kind of improve things in 2024. Okay. So this conversation, the margin conversation really came into play at Q2, Q3. We talked about it a ton in Q2 and Q3 because we knew that we needed to raise our prices. Jen was a little scared. (laughs) 
because like we knew that other PR firms were charging more than we were, but we didn't have the proof under our belt of this is what it actually looks like to run a PR agency. Like this is how much it costs. So like often I come to Jen, like part of my job is, okay, I think that this is how this is going to look. If all these people sign and this is how many hours these people work and like this is how much this is going to cost. Again, we're doing the best that we can with what we have, but it's not a perfect system. And so we had a ton of these conversations where like clients would come on and like their budget was X amount of dollars a month. And Jen would be like, is that cool? And I'm like, well, no. But like, if we say yes, we can say yes. And we can say like, okay, we're building, right? Like that was a conversation we had a lot. Like we're putting this in our portfolio. We're putting it on our resume, so to speak. We're going to be building out the different industries we worked with or the different case studies. Like if this is the mindset that you have, then let's say yes. Because if you want to make a ton of money, then we need to say no, because this is not it. I remember this conversation. It was, yeah, it was initially, I think back in June or July when we first had this conversation and you were very serious and you're like, it is what it is, like option A or option B. And I was like, no, we are going to be a lot less profitable for the sake of building up our client base and our portfolio. So then we can go into 2024 and have our prices high mm-hmm. and for a very good reason based on all of the success we had in 2023. And I wondered if I was going to regret that decision. Because I remember we talked about specific clients. Clients would come on and contracts were being typed up and it was, we are going to break even on this project if we say yes to this. Are you okay with that? And you said yes every time. And so we went with it. But then like, I remember we have four, five, six of those individual conversations. And it came to the point where I remember FaceTiming you. I was in the car. My phone's like flying everywhere in the car while we're talking. (laughs) And so I was like, here's the reality. Not just this project. We're going to get to the end of the year. And it is going to be very close to breaking even. I don't have a spreadsheet to show you. I don't have the dollar amount we're going to make. But I'm telling you right now, if we keep saying yes to this, we're going to get to the end of the year. And we're going to basically be breaking even. Are you okay with that? And you're like, yes. Do you want to hear what I think now? Yeah. What do you think now? So I can go either way. So (laughs) one, I'm excited that we did take on so many different projects and we have all the social proof in the world when it comes to PR. And it's really exciting to know that we're never going to get an objection like, oh, you guys aren't qualified. We are more than qualified based on all the success we've had in the last one to two years in PR specifically. So that makes me really excited because we're going to get a lot of big opportunities coming our way in 2024 that we are more than qualified for. Now, knowing, and we haven't gotten to this yet, but knowing what we're doing in 2024 in terms of growth, I have some regrets because we just don't have a lot of money left over. And now I'm looking at things. I'm like, man, like we might have to take out a small loan in order to do what we're doing in terms of growing. Is that necessarily bad? No. But had we said no to a couple of projects and really worked on margins, that probably wouldn't be the case going into 2024. But back in June, I didn't think we would be doing what we're doing as quickly as we're doing it. I realize I'm talking in code right now. We're going to get there though, because there's something and then we can talk about that. I agree. And I think neither of us could have known or prepared for that to happen as quickly as it's happening. But I don't know that I regret it, honestly. And I think the reason why I don't feel like I regret it is because you and I were both really honest with each other the entire time. 
This was always a thing that we were working really closely together on. We had really open conversations about it. I never wanted to get to the end of the year and it be a surprise. And I still feel that way, right? Good or bad. I never want to get to the end of a year or a quarter or a month or whatever and be like, well, how the hell did that happen? No, there's really no reason for that. And so I think we made decisions with the information that we had. Our team grew a lot, both in size, but also in their skills. Our team is better now than they were when they came on each of them individually and as a unit. I think that it's fun to see them all growing in the areas they've grown in, get really excited about different projects, the really cool things that they've done for clients. And I don't think they would have had as many opportunities for growth had we said no to those things. Okay, that's fair. And I know that when I decided it, I made that decision with all the information I had in front of me at that time. So that was the best decision for us at that given moment. I made a decision based on what I had in front of me. And yeah, it wasn't bad. Like I can go either way, like knowing what I know now, I'm like, mm, would I have made a different decision at the time? Maybe for the sake of a little bit more capital, but yeah, no, it's okay. It is what it is now. By the end of Q2, we had our current PR team in. Everybody who's like with us right now was in by the end of Q2. The problem that we were having in Q3, and it's related to margins, is at that point in time, you worked until the work was done. You worked until the project was done. You worked until the client got whatever it was that they like needed or wanted in that week or month or whatever. And I think that there is value to like working on something until like a client sees a result, obviously, but there was no system. And so, you know, we were having the margin conversation of like, okay, we're saying no to this project being super profitable, but also what does that look like? How much are team members working on a given client account? How many contacts are they reaching out to? How many outreaches are they writing? There was zero consistency across the board. We were still getting results. The team was still working and the clients were like, it was great, but there was absolutely no consistency. And so my brain started to go to, what is this going to look like if we're doubling our revenue in 2024? What is this going to look like if we double our team again? Because I think this is a hole that's going to become gaping if we don't address it. And so we really started to just to really try to figure out, are there trends? Are there themes, different industries, different kinds of clients, different kinds of PR outreach that we're doing? Like, is there a way we can create some kind of like system or range that the team can live within so that the clients have more structure and the deliverables are more concrete and they can know what to expect because that's a good thing for clients. But also the team can have more structure, know what their week should look like, know what their month should look like and how to plan a project. And I don't feel like we really had that discussion really until like the beginning of Q3. Yeah, I think that timeline definitely tracks. I mean, we had tracked time for a long time. Even before I had hired you, we were using Toggle. Now we use Clockify. And in doing so, we're just being very mindful of how many hours we're spending on a client project, how much mm -hmm. money we're making from the client project, what the results are from that time spent on the client project. If you also have an agency, I would recommend, even if your people are on salary, have them track their hours. It will give you so many great insights into what's going on. And so even right now, this is like the honest truth. We don't have like a set. This is a hundred percent for sure how we want this to look throughout the entirety of 2024. We are still working to figure out what is going to make sense for everybody. We have a system that they live within right now. It's just not a system I'm married to. You know, I'm not like that's the one forever, but I do hope to continue to refine that system in 2024, because I think that will just continue to make it better 
more scalable, more predictable. And again, give the clients like better concrete deliverables that we can like do during our time together. So that's a goal for 2024. I like it. That's a good goal. And I'm also not married to the system we're currently using either. I can be swayed. If you came to me tomorrow and you were like, Hey, based on X, Y, and Z data points, we should do this. I'd be like, all right, like, let's do it. I'm all on board. Yeah. Yeah. But that was my margin talk. Yeah. You want to talk about other things in Q3. Yeah. So Lauren is obviously like the integrator and she's very much like the ops person. She's the numbers girl. I'm more of the visionary. So I had this idea earlier in the summer about creating a physical card deck because I had seen pip decks. I really liked what they had done. They did not create anything that was PR focused. And I was like, well, why can't we create a PR educational card deck that is essentially all of our agencies, ideas, tips, tricks, theories, tactics in 50-ish cards. And you can take it and you can try to implement it yourself or have your assistant try and implement it. But you can kind of dip your toe in the water with neat without spending thousands of dollars with us every single month. So this is a really great product for a small business owner who doesn't have the budget for PR, but still knows that they have to do PR. And you can get a feel for how we work. The deck is us. These are our proven tips and tricks. And if you decide to buy the deck and you go through it and you're like, actually, you know what? I've grown using the deck with these strategies. Now I want to work with neat. What you're seeing in the deck is what we do. Yeah. Oh my God. I do. I do want to say, so like, I do want to get into like behind the scenes of actually creating a product because we still don't have the deck in our hands yet. And we started this back in June. Yeah. So Jen comes to me because the way that you brought this idea to me was so just nonchalant. You're like, Hey, like, yeah, I mean, one day I could like do this thing or maybe, maybe not. Shouldn't word it exactly like that, but it was very just like, I don't have to, but like we could. And I was like, We're doing this thing. I love this idea. Why the heck can we not do this? And from there, it was like, okay, well, like, let's just do it. And like within a matter of a week or maybe two, we were looking for people who could help design the project. We were, you already had somebody in mind for like copy editing and things like that. But we were like interviewing designers and like looking at different manufacturers and all the things very quickly. We took action immediately. But yeah, no, we don't have it in our hands. I'm hoping we have it in our hands in the next three weeks. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed or maybe four weeks, but yeah, I did not expect that. And it's funny because it wasn't the cards that was the holdup that went along very smoothly. It was the box, the box. I never would have thought a stupid box would take us two months of going back and forth. I mean, just like move this line, move this line. She put the red line there. Oh, now you have to take the red line out. That's the biggest holdup in everything. This manufacturing process, PR client projects, holdups within team members, communication is by far far the thing that slows everyone down. You wouldn't think about it, but like if it takes four days to respond to an email and then I have to go to the designer and be like, hey, can you change blah, blah, blah. It takes them two or three days to do that. And then it's four more days before she responds to me again. All of a sudden a month and a half has gone by and it's like, oh, now we finally have this final version. It had just taken so much more time than the actual physical cards themselves took. Yeah. And what's crazy is I think we were maybe a little naive or optimistic, but we thought for sure we would have this out into the world in mid-October. Well, I mean, we 
knew it was a crazy goal. I mean, I remember talking to Brian, who is the one who designed the cards when we were like interviewing him, so to speak. We have this crazy goal. This is like when we really want to do it. It might not work. You know, we were optimistic, but like we're open to being wrong, but hopefully we're right. We were wrong. It took longer. It took longer, but it's okay. This project has been really, really fun for me. I know Brian has loved working on this. Our copy editor really liked it as well. And I think that this is going to be a really big product for us in 2024. I know recently we've pulled back on promoting it because we just don't have a date where we're getting the boxes in. I know people have ordered, we did pre-orders and I am feeling so guilty because we still have not shipped things out yet. Like it just, that is something that weighs on me too. Like I'll wake up to him and be like the stupid boxes, like people pay for the boxes. We have to send these out. But I am glad we did pre-orders just to kind of gauge interest. I'm sure if we pushed it more, if we talked about it more, if we ran paid ads to the pre-order page, like we probably would sell a lot more, but we just have really drastically pulled back in the last month on like even promoting them at all. But just the feedback we've gotten so far, the excitement from people, it makes me feel like we did create something really interesting. And I know that once we send this out to our pre-order list and we send these out to influencers and people start posting about it on social, like this is going to just have such a snowball effect. And I can't wait to see this become a six-figure product in 2024. Okay, wait. So I have not asked you this and we didn't really talk about this yesterday. We did like some 2024. We skipped over this completely. Planning yesterday. Do you have a goal, a revenue goal for the card deck in 2024? I would love for this to be a six-figure product within the business. I think it easily can be, especially if it's on Amazon, if we have it on our website, if we're running paid ads to it, if we're sending it out to influencers, like why can't this be a $100,000 product? The deck itself is $97. Yeah. I just was curious. This is typically for people listening, how Matt and Jen's conversations go. Yeah, (laughs) basically like how we're talking here on this podcast is how we talk to each other in real life. Exact same conversation. So yeah, I think that it can be really, really good. I also think there's other spinoffs to it. I just see a lot of opportunities and I like that it's a standalone product. If at some point we want to sell it, we can sell it if we want to. And I really like that. And make a lot of dollars. Hopefully that's, yeah, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. But yeah, yeah, that was a fun internal project. And I see us having other internal projects like that in the future. Yeah. So that was Q3. Well, no, that's we, we didn't know. We didn't talk about our first event. We did do that in Q3. Yeah, we went to Startup Week here in Louisville, and I really didn't know what to expect. It was my first Startup Week, and I actually spoke at Startup Week, and I had a really good time talking about all things media pitching, and then we also had a table, and we had so many conversations. I have gone to so many events in the past, but the number of conversations and the quality of conversations was on another level. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think it was interesting because, again, we had never, as an agency, hadn't like sponsored before hadn't like attended something like that before and so I didn't really know what to expect but again we had our had a little spreadsheet (laughs) I was like here's how much we've spent here's how much things are looking like we had like kind of a general idea but I don't think where my head was at at the time we were planning wasn't the relationships that could come from that. I didn't really give that piece of it as much thought. I mean, I knew it would happen, but it has been really fun to see us be more involved in the community. Jen and I went to an event a few days ago and it was, oh, neat. We've heard of you guys. That's so cool. You know, like I think it's all part of really getting more rooted in the Louisville community, which is really fun. And I feel like we've said we wanted to do it all year long, but startup week, I think was the first week that it was, oh, this is what that could look like. This is what that could feel like. Again, that's 
another thing I want to do more of. But events is going to be part of our sales strategy in 2024 because we've seen even just from one event, all the different dominoes that can come from that and all the good that can come from that. And so I think continuing to hone in on that strategy and figure out what works and what doesn't work will be something that's really exciting for next year. Yeah, the return on relationships, ROR, has been really big from start of week. That was something I wasn't really expecting. But so for example, at start of week, I spoke on stage. After I walked off stage, I met someone from a VC firm here. After that, we had set up a meeting and then we became their go-to PR agency for their brands. And they have like a hundred different brands they invest in. And so it's like once or twice a week, we get a really high quality lead from that firm. So that partnership has been so fruitful for us. And that came out of startup week. So yeah, like you never know what's going to happen. You never know who you're going to meet. And I do see us going a lot harder with events in 2024, whether it's like events here, like you said, whether it's events out of town, us just like joining different chambers, right? We're going to join the Louisville chamber, the business chamber here. There's another one, like Venture Connectors, I really liked. And I think that could be really great for us to join. I see the potential there with going to events, meeting the right people, getting our name out there. Feels like people are coming out of their hybrid Yes. Yeah. And I will say to you for the longest time, we were like living online and it was okay. Well, if you DM 50 people a day and you like get on Instagram stories every day, like you will sign clients, right? That's not happening anymore. Getting out there in your community or going to events or buying people coffee, like that is what is going to drive your business forward. You can create instant rapport with somebody in person and they will turn around and tell five other people in their community, their network about you. That's not really happening on Instagram in the DMs, but it's happening in real life. And I've just noticed here, especially in Louisville, I don't know what it is about Louisville, but people want to meet you in the flesh. They They want to know that you're a real person. People really just want to meet in person. I can't tell you the number of times where we were like, oh yeah, we'll set up a Zoom call. And people are like, no, I want to meet in person. Mm -hmm. Come to my business and like have have a conversation. And it was like, oh, okay. I'm like, all right, let me make the journey. Yeah. Lauren has to road trip from Bullitt County, Kentucky. Bullitt County. It's really not that far, y'all. There's Jefferson County and then below Jefferson is Bullitt County. It's not that far, but it's when, really not that far. When there's traffic, it feels like it's far. It's fine. Yeah. Anyway, so that has been so powerful for us in, I would say, especially Q4, just getting in front of people has really pushed the needle for the business. I want to talk about one more Q3 thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we move forward, go for it. I think I'm going to say this and it's going to give Jen PTSD, but I think it's important to talk about is what happens when a core team team member takes time off. I'm like starting to itch right now. I'm sweating. Yes. I just called myself a core team member. Uh, So I was gone for two weeks and a day, maybe two weeks and two days, something like two that. Two weeks, two days, 45 minutes and like 20 seconds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't keeping track. Don't worry. So this bled into Q4, but it was the very end of September, the first week of October. And so we really like started Q4 off with the bang. We had startup week. We had our card deck due dates. And then all of those things happened. And I was flying out the day after startup week was over. It was a truly wild week. And I had not been out of office. I hadn't taken any time off really. Again, not that I work full-time 80 hours a week, whatever, but I hadn't taken time off and I was pretty damn unplugged. Like there were like times where like Jen would text me about something and I would text her back. I think we FaceTimed like two or three times, but my Slack notifications were off and I was really only checking my emails. If like I was super anxious about something, like I would get a calendar notification. I'd be like, oh crap, somebody has to remember this thing. Right. Then I'd like turn them back off again. Jen's perspective on that, on that time period. I 
think would be. Yeah, no, you're lucky that I'm on Lexapro. Really <laughs> powered me through those couple of weeks. What made those couple of weeks difficult, it was like there was one thing after another, after another, after another. And like the fires just didn't seem to end in that two week period. And it had been like relatively manageable, I think, because you were also here to help manage the fires. Yes. And then so a lot of things together, right? Like I'm kind of like the separation between like Jen and everything else. I, I kind of exist as like the last barrier before things get to her. And so there are some things where like, I don't even bring to her necessarily because she really doesn't need to be bothered with it. There are things that I'm like, hey, this thing happened. And then there are things that I'm like, your eyeballs, let's discuss this and decide together. But when I, the barrier was no longer there, it was all just coming at her only because there's nobody else like on our leadership team right now. There's no one else that deals with the things. I had a lot of anxiety as well. I was like, I felt so guilty when I came back because of all the things that you had to deal with all by yourself while I was gone. Yeah, it was not ideal. But also I will say that you being gone for a little bit and me having to deal with all the crap just gave me just a new appreciation for everything you do. I remember I got a calendar notification about something and I turned on my Slack notifications to remind the team of whatever it was. I don't remember now. The last like few Slack messages I saw coming through were like, don't worry, mom is coming back in like two days and four hours and whatever. And everyone was like, oh, thank God. I was like, wow, thanks guys. But really, I know where I stand on the team. I'm definitely more of the dad versus the mom. I'm very much rub some dirt in it, get back up, you're fine. And Lauren is very nurturing. Like You are very motherly, which I think is really good for the team. So I am just not good with emotional situations because I think I just lack some of that emotion. Yeah. Well, and I'm more like, let's talk about this. How are you feeling? But I think the thing that I learned, well, there are a couple of things I think I learned from that period of time. I think that everyone, Jen included, and we're going to discuss this for 2024, needs time off, an actual time off, time where your emails are not on your phone, time where your Slack messages are not turned on, time where you are not waking up at 2 a.m. every night stressed about something that's supposed to be happening three days from now. Because the reality is if people don't do that, they're going to burn out. So I think it's up to us to like make sure that we hold each other accountable and we're really intentional of like, hey, you really need to actually go and take that time off. <laughs> Jen and I discussed this over Thanksgiving because she did not take time off, even though she said she was gonna. And so I think that that's really important. But I think also like holding our team to that standard too. When people say that they're gonna be off and they're in Slack, me and Jen immediately are like, why are you on Slack right now? You said you were off today because we don't wanna create a culture and environment where everyone is burnt to a crisp and they feel glued to their phone and constantly working. Because like we said, in true Lauren and Jen fashion, we were like, oh, oh yeah, let's just cram everything into this three week period. We can do it. We can get it done. And we did. We did get everything done and it ended up being fine. I think it could have been better had we not tried to cram everything into a three-week period and actually spent that like two weeks prepping rather than just trying to get all the shit done before I left. So that's something I think we could do better for 2024. Yeah, I definitely agree with you because I think both of us should be able to check out for a couple of weeks without everything collapsing. I feel like I can just because of where I'm at in the business. I'm a little bit more removed. You have taken over a lot of my responsibilities in terms of hiring, training, client 
client success. And I think because of that, it's really hard for you to step away, but I don't want it to be like that in the future. So yeah, we need to figure that one out in 2024 so we can take proper vacations without anxiety and stress (laughs) and all the things. Okay. So I want to kind of wrap 2023 up in like a nice little bow. Give me some of the lessons you've learned in 2023. One of the biggest things that I realized, both with just how Jen and I operate with the team, how we operate with clients, how we operate with each other is people who are making more money than us, people who are like succeeding more than we are, quote unquote, right? People who like have the things that we want, like we can do that too. And I think the way that we can do that is by having integrity, being really honest and being really willing to have difficult conversations and also being willing to dream really, really big and do whatever it takes to like make that happen. I think those are kind of the biggest things and it takes being willing to get uncomfortable and all those things I just listed I think have made me uncomfortable this year but like we have pushed through anyway every difficult conversation with a team member every difficult conversation with a client every difficult conversation between Jen and I yesterday Jen and I had a very difficult conversation and I remember sitting there across from her and I was like do I like stand my ground do I tell her how I feel do I like just agree how do you navigate those things and I think it's just being willing to have integrity be really honest with yourself and the people around you and just giving a shit and actually caring about people and letting them know that you do. I think those are things that I like kind of knew going into 2023, but it was like 2023 tested me and they're like, are you sure? Are you going to keep doing it no matter what happens? And I think I ended the year feeling like we can do anything. I really genuinely feel that way. I'm sure 2024 is going to test us. I'm sure there's going to be things that come up next year that we have not ever dealt with before, but I believe that we can deal with it. When I came on, I was like, well, I mean, we're going to see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel the same way. We're like before, like, yes, I had dealt with lower cash months. I had dealt with maybe some difficult clients, but then 2023 had really amplified those things because we had a lot more clients. There was a lot more money. There were a lot more people on our team to deal with, right? A lot more personalities and dynamics. And all it did was amplify any kind of problems I had in the past. And I think that's something to be mindful of too. I think people online say, oh my God, like I made X amount of money this year and it was so great, but more money really does equal more problems like let's not beat around the bush like you're gonna deal with more shit the more money you make but you in turn you're growing and you're evolving you're learning how to handle that shit a lot better than you have in the past so I will say like things were just amplified this year but I learned how to tackle really difficult and uncomfortable situations this year and I can't wait to carry that kind of toolkit that I've created into 2024 I think it's going to be really valuable next year the one lesson I really learned this year was communication. And that was even reinforced yesterday. How I necessarily like to be communicated with doesn't mean that other person likes to be communicated in that way. So for example, I am very direct and very blunt. And I live in the South, right? I live in Louisville, Kentucky. That's not necessarily seen as proper and acceptable. Like that is incredibly offensive here in Kentucky, how I communicate. And this is something that I'm just, I'm working on and I'm going to continue to work on it in 2024 because 
because it will definitely impact the people around me, the people on the team, our clients, if I can't learn how to better communicate, how to use different communication styles for each person I'm talking to. So yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely learned that throughout the year because again, like we just dealt with a lot more people this year, a lot more clients, a lot more problems. And you think for a communication major, I would have like had that on lock, right? Bellarmine University, like <laughs> what was that? Like six figures in education that I oh, spent more than, more than I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. And you would have felt like at some point I would have mastered the art of having harder conversations in there, but nobody can prepare you for that. I didn't learn it in corporate, didn't learn it in undergrad or grad school. And it's just something I've really learned on the job essentially. And it's something I'm still working on today. So yeah, communication was one of my biggest lessons in 2023. That's a good one. As you were talking, the more I kept thinking like this year pointed holes at problems I knew existed. And so being willing to acknowledge those things. And I'm not, I can tend to do this more so in my personal life than in work, but I'm an anxious avoider. So like when I have, especially like, again, more personal problems, but like, if there's something that's going on, I'm like, oh, easier to just like crawl in a little hole and pretend like that doesn't exist for a minute. But this year has really challenged me to like form my opinions more quickly to be like, yes, actually that happened. And like, here's how I feel about it. Here's how I contributed to that. And here's how we're going to deal with it. It really did just amplify like who I am as a person more. I'm like proud of the growth this year, both for like you and I in this area. We're ending this year well-rounded, I think, version of ourselves than we were last December. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think we're ending the year better than where we started professionally. I mean, personally too. Well, I can't speak to like you personally, but- I mean, I feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like professionally, I have grown so much this year. Like I feel like this is a really big growth year as a CEO and a big growth year for you too. Okay. Now that we've kind of wrapped up 2023, I want to touch on really quickly what is coming up in 2024 without- giving away the specifics. So it's going to sound like I'm talking in code partially Morse code. Yeah. Hopefully you guys can like read between the lines a little bit, but our team will be growing pretty substantially in 2024. As long as there are no hiccups, which like there may be hiccups, we're in the process of acquiring another business underneath that is going to make us well-rounded, really like an unstoppable force here in the region. Mm-hmm. It's something that I didn't think would be possible for myself at 29 years old. And I feel very much that I am back to a space of being a beginner. And every day I'm on Google or I'm asking our business business broker questions. I am asking different industry experts for advice. I really don't know what I'm doing. And I feel like I'm just kind of like stumbling through the dark, hoping that I come to the light and like everything works out. I'm also trying really hard to maintain my emotions and my expectations throughout this process, because I know that this can fall through tomorrow, right? Like this podcast might air and then this might be a thing of the past. I guess either way though, like we are looking to grow via acquisition or mergers. Like that is the plan. Um, I'm really looking for Nate to grow to an eight-figure company in that way. And I think we can do it. I think it's very, very possible. I'm hoping that 
everything works out here. And then sometime in the spring, we can make like a really fun announcement, but I'm emotionally invested at this point. Let's just be honest, which is my problem. I'm definitely the more emotional one of our pairing. So yeah, I'm emotionally attached to this idea and plan at this point. Yeah. I'm, we're both, we're both really, really excited about the opportunity. So obviously for legal reasons, like can't say who, can't say when, can't say what, but yeah, it's a massive, very scary growth is coming down the pipeline. Yeah. Oh, I have a question. Okay. What made you feel like now was the time? Like you were ready. We were ready. Neat was ready. Why now? I don't think we are ready. I don't think we're ever going to be ready. You know what I mean? It's like when you're starting a business, you're never going to feel ready. And that's kind of been the theme of my entire life. I have never felt ready for anything I've gone after. Was not ready to race BMX on a national level. Was not ready to leave home at 18 and go somewhere where I didn't know anybody. Was not ready to go to business school. Was not ready to up and move my entire life to Texas where I didn't know anybody when I was 22. I just wasn't ready to start a business. There were so many things in my life where I just wasn't ready, but I did it anyway. Ways and some really incredible things happen along the way. And this is one of those things where an opportunity did come up. I had met Ellie, our broker slash one of my friends now, and just seeing her content. And she actually recently bought a business as well and stepped into being a seven-figure CEO of this business. And just like seeing that she did the dang thing and she had helped broker other really great deals. I was like, we can do this. Like this is something we could do. And there was an opportunity that happened to pop up sooner rather than later. And it was almost like one of those things where it was, we have to take advantage of this. Like it's sitting here in front of me. It looks like a good opportunity. And I just felt like I'm never going to be ready. I don't feel ready. What does ready look like? Does ready look like me being 40? Does it look like me having seven figures in the bank? Like, I don't know what ready looks like. So we're doing it and we always figure it out. I love that answer. I was wondering what you were going to say, but I don't really feel like quote unquote ready either. But it's the same thing I said at the beginning of this whole thing. I really feel like we can do anything. We can figure anything out we can take anything on and when you like came to me and you were like this one and basically right now and I was like all right let's do it I'm game so I'm excited Lauren is that person who like eggs you on like I'm sure growing up you were the person who was like peer pressuring people you were like just like drink it oh you're not gonna drink it oh like, what do you mean you're backing out of it why are you such a wussy like come on let's go those are the vibes I get from you but like that's what I need in someone who's like a, a partner with me like I need someone someone who's going to like poke me and push me and make me do the things that I'm voicing. So I appreciate the accountability, but we've been talking for a hot minute. We have another meeting we have to jump to. So I feel like, is that the pod? I think that's it. 2023, 2024. We'll be back for more next year. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Served Neat. I hope you enjoyed listening and found some tasty nuggets of marketing wisdom to help you take your brand to the next level. Remember, just like a perfectly crafted cocktail, marketing is all about finding the right balance and serving it up with a splash of creativity. So keep building, keep refining, and keep serving up your brand with style. And if you're thirsty for more insights, follow us on Instagram at Nate underscore the agency for even more marketing tips and tricks. Be sure to subscribe and join us for our next episode of Served Neat. Until then, cheers.